My guest this week started buying vintage Savile Row suits when he was 15 years old. A self-taught tailor, he would spend his time deconstructing British suits to learn more about tailoring, eventually making his way to London to work in Savile Row, but was sadly turned away. He hit another wall too. At one of his earlier jobs, he was told by his boss he didn't have any entrepreneurial skills at all. So naturally, he started his own business. I'm going to have to disagree with that boss. With trunk shows all over the world, a new line with Mr. Porter, and countless fans everywhere, he's only getting started. My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the people who shape it. My guest this week is Maximilian Mogg, founder of the eponymous Berlin Atelier. Max and I discuss his journey from buying vintage Savile Row suits online to selling vintage tailoring from his bedroom to creating his own house style. How are you doing over there? Well, it's it's, it's quiet. Um, no, not many people on the streets. Um, otherwise, we are fine. Um, yeah, we are yeah. living together with Tobin, uh, so the photographer and like the shop manager and like my brother. And um, yeah, we are having a really good time. We try to make the best out of it. Yeah, I mean, I I saw on your Instagram, you've you've really it's it's been great. But I've I've seen you started recommending all these great movies. You guys are having cocktail hour. You're definitely making the best of this. Exactly. Yeah, that, I think, I mean, you can't do anything else. We're working a lot from home also, and this is quite convenient also in many ways because Berlin is quite big and I need 45 minutes one way to get to the shop and like another 45 to get back. So I say like, let's look at it from the positive side. It's like one and a half hours each day that you can do actual work from home, obviously, not like meeting customers, which is a bit of a pity, but like otherwise it's... It could be worse, I always say. Yeah, it, it could be. It could be a lot worse. Um, it, in terms of, of what your business is doing, are you doing any sort of remote like like consulting or, or are you are you cutting or chalking patterns there? Like wh- what's what's your day to day? Yeah, at the moment we are trying to do, um, so with all the existing clients, with their existing patterns, they are writing me emails. And because like, as I like said a couple of days ago, like the um, summer is still coming. Um, yeah, and so the um, uh, customers then ask me, yeah, what are your recommendations? I have all the bunches at home. And then I send them some photos and like say, like I could see that and that. And what I do with my existing clients, I then do some drawings for them and illustrate how I see this fabric to work best with their personal style. And Mm -hmm. uh, so that we do a lot, actually. And then we are also working on like new methods. Like we are thinking about to do an MTO program on our website, which is a lot of time that we need to invest in this. But we do have the ready-to-wear patterns anyway that we've developed now for Mr. Porter. And right. we are thinking like to offer like simple things like chinos and casual shirts based on a ready to wear pattern so that people can order it online. Well, so let, let's jump back for a second because yeah. you said that you were, you were sketching mm-hmm. things for people. Is, and I know like, you know, even on your website too, there's all, there's, I mean, there's no pictures, pictures, they're all sketches. Exactly. And, yeah. Why is that? Just out of curiosity. Um, well, so um, at the beginning, it started. I really love art. My mother's an artist, and uh, so we. I basically grew up with art, and she's a great drawer and like painter. And mm-hmm. uh, but I never stopped to draw. I think the last drawing that I did was when I was five years old, and then I somehow okay. uh, forgot about that. And then um, my brother's ex girlfriend, she had uh, was an amazing. Um, yeah, um, illustrator. And then I started okay. to illustrate suits or let uh, ask her to illustrate suits. So in order to explain my customers and also like the productions, how I want the suits to look like. And then at a mm. certain point, um, she was too busy with uh, her other stuff. And uh, then I said, okay, well, well, then we have a problem because I really need these drawings. So I started to draw myself <laughs> again. And uh, this was now like four years ago, I believe. Okay. And um, I just, yeah, never did a drawing class before or anything. But then I said, okay, we are doing the drawings. And then I had a first intern who was also great at drawing. And we, at that point, like built the new website. And I said, could you draw a couple of things for me? And then I, sh- I saw it and I th- thought it looked great. And then I wanted to be 
it to be yeah you say like i wanted it everything to be drawings i didn't like yeah. pictures also for copyright reasons and stuff like that so i said uh, like okay let's do true. drawings right yeah i mean i guess if you think about it when you look at a lot of uh fashion designers i mean they don't they start with drawings. They they sketch, you know, Karl Lagerfeld, all, all these, you know, incredible designers, they sketch. But it, it feels like for you, like that's that's the beginning and the final pro- uh, final product in most cases in terms of like showing inspiration for people. Exactly. And I think it like it's also makes it so much easier. So, I mean, like so many customers have like problems imagining a whole suit when they see a little like, yeah, a little part of a fabric. And I said like, hey, how is this going to look like? Yeah, let, let me show you. And like then they say, oh, can you can we add a, like a ticket pocket or can we add gauntlets? And I said, yeah, sure. That would look like that. I would probably not recommend going for gauntlet on this specific fabric um <laughs> but something like uh, this is actually how it works so it's really like communicating with each other um yeah. and uh, showing them how it will look because obviously like there's actually no other way to show how it will yeah look like in the very end yeah well wait let's jump back even further because yeah. you're you've been in business for what f- five years now exactly five years yeah september 2015 yes Okay. And how did this start? Because I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, and I mean this in a very respectful way. You're, you know, you're a younger guy. Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. So, well, it all started to start with the very beginning. So I was always, I loved suits so much. Um, but, and then with 15, I started to buy vintage. Mostly 15. Fa- yes. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I bought uh, several vintage suits on eBay and then had them altered. And then, um, yeah, the first, um, yeah, first few suits didn't turn out that well in the very end. So I said, okay, let's do it the proper way. And then I bought some books, read about how a several, what the several look is, looked up yeah. the specific house styles of all the big tailoring houses like Anderson and Shepherd, Huntsman uh sexton tommy nutter um yeah. Leaves and hawks and so on and so forth so because i Do you remember what book what book it was that, that um, turned this on that was uh, at the beginning it was um yeah well, so i started with uh, the gentleman by bernard retzel obviously uh mm-hmm. went on to alan flusser then bits and bits i found the tailoring house's name uh, and looked online mostly and interesting um yeah just like blogs and forums and like stuff like that and then i really like looked at every detail and then when i had the vintage suits like basically on the hanger next to me i checked okay this is that this is that this is this detail oh this makes it anderson and shepherd okay this makes it huntsman and so on and this was actually yeah the how i learned so i learned with my eyes and um i wanted to become a tailor then uh with 18 after i finished house high school Went to London, um, was very proud that day because like I basically just like went on the bus, said to my father, hey, I'm going on the bus to London and I'm going to apply to become a tailor. And he said, yeah, well, do whatever you want to do. And Wait, how, how old were you when that happened? Uh, 18, 18, yeah, right. Okay. From, uh, high school. Then um, I stood there and like I got a lot of business cards and I said, wow, this is great. I got so many business cards, <laughs> but I got like a lot of no's actually. Like, <laughs> And so nobody wanted me at that point. And I said like, well, that's no problem. Let's go. Um, let's do what I want to do. Uh, let, let's keep it as a hobby. And, okay. and then I started uh, studying business. Um, and then, and yeah, when I was done, I did a couple of internships, like longer internships before doing my master's. That was my plan. And then I got a, yeah, I was after feedback from one of my bosses. I was back then working for L'Oreal. I was devastated. She told me I had no entrepreneurial spirit, but so on. It was, um, yeah. Wait, wait, what? So wait, <laughs> yeah. So during, during your school time, you're working for L'Oreal. No, you, after, after, after my studies, after my studies. Okay, after, and yep. and your boss tells you you don't have any entrepreneurial <laughs> skills. Yes, it was. Uh, I remember that day very well, and uh, I'm basically very thankful uh, to her that she did that because I said like this is so unfair. I'm only packaging, pa- uh, packet, uh, packaging, do packaging every day. You know, and you don't give me any yeah. real uh, job, and like, uh, and so I was also kind of like let's say not very motivated at a certain point. And so, and then getting this feedback, I said, okay, well, I'm leaving. And then this very day I founded my company. 
and started as a blog and uh, offering my vintage uh, retailing service, which I did also for a couple of friends back then. And uh, yeah, that's actually how it started. And I'm really, really thankful <laughs> that it happened. <laughs> so, so let me repeat this back. So your boss at the time tells you they don't think you're an entrepreneur. And so you go ahead and become an entrepreneur by starting your own company. Exactly. Yeah, that's. The, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, it uh, felt somehow like a bit stupid at that point because I was like, yeah, I did it out of anger. But like, and as I said, like, I mean, I, I did what I love anyway, and I think in uh, all these other jobs, I would have not been very happy. And um, I said, and my boss before that, he told me like, when you want to become an entrepreneur, start young because then you don't have children, you don't have any so many big monthly costs so yeah it's easier to start when you're young you're trying a few things out you're still staying flexible and this is what i did i mean like also nowadays we're not doing vintage anymore we're doing like our own suits and uh but at that point when i founded the company i obviously thought i would be doing vintage suits all my life you know right did you ever reach back out to your old boss at l'oreal and was like uh hey let no. me now <laughs> no i never did that um i thought about doing that but like i said like why like um and as i said actually i would say thank you to her because it yeah. was the kick uh that i needed to start this company yeah it's it's interesting like that because i think a lot of people you know there, there's we'll, we'll discuss about how when when you're doing what you love it's not really work i mean it, it is still work but i think there's something that that clicks in someone's brain when you start to do something that you just genuinely love doing where it's the it's it's not as it's not as labor intensive it's not you know i mean it's inspiring and i think also you know, especially with starting your own company when you see the the direct fruits of your labor like you see look i i did this and i worked on this and and here's what came from it versus uh in some places a standard job you work as hard as you can and you still earn the same amount of money you, you know, some, some jobs you cannot work very hard and still earn the same amount of money. So it's, it's, it's always very inspiring to do something where the direct impact of your work, you immediately see progress. Exactly. Like I'm, I can say for myself that I think like we're working very hard. I'm, I used to do like seven days a week, really. And uh, now I try to not do anything on Sundays, which is not really I think I still do two hours each Sunday, but like it never feels like work. I, and I can say also like that I'm just jump out of bed every day and say, yeah, this is going to be a great day. Like again, we can work on so many things today and we have so much on the plate and uh, it's, uh, it's great. You know, like it never feels like work and that I really have to say, and this is like makes also decision making a lot easier because you don't feel the pressure of like um yeah you have to do this or you, you really choose what you want to do each day and well, wait, what's what's an example of where the decision making is easier um quality for instance um so because it's my name in the company so i'm re using my real name for the company so yeah. and that is like a probably a bit of vanity there but like i really only want to do quality because it's really it's my name in there and like people when they look at the suit is free okay this is done by max you know and like i said like yeah this is exactly the reason why why i want highest quality so when i have i don't know have to choose a production like i always go for quality also the reason why we only do fully canvassed we could theoretically also do half canvas and it's like no this is not what i stand for this is not what i want my name to be connected with so well let's jump back to that because you were when you started your business, you were just doing vintage. Mm -hmm. When did it come that you, I mean, because now your business is, is fully bespoke, correct? Um, yes, we do made to measure. Um, basically, so we, we do like uh, take all the measurements like and bespoke. Um, we use a block pattern mostly just for looking at the balance of the suit and like looking at how much the shoulders are sloping or like if they have square, square shoulders. We use the mm -hmm. block basically just for that um uh, but yeah it started so um back in i got a lot of good press because i was working from home at the beginning i was really like my atelier was my bedroom and uh, <laughs> it was uh, my bed was standing in the middle and mm -hmm. uh, i had customers coming over to me at home and then i reached out to the press and uh they said that's just an amazing story you live in neukölln neukölln is like a rather poor district in berlin um mm -hmm. 
very hip, very square at the moment. But uh, and you're doing like suits, like several rows suits. This is an amazing story. Let, and then everybody came by. It was the Süddeutsche, die Zeit, uh, Frankfurter Allgemeine, all the very, very big newspapers in Germany. And mm -hmm. then I got so much demand. Um, that I couldn't get the supply anymore. So really, I was like selling so many suits. But like, I mean, this is the problem with vintage, you know, I couldn't get the suits anymore. Like, and then people were also sometimes very specific. They said, I got one from this tailor, from that era, in this color. Right. And like, and I'm like, this is really complicated. This will take time. So uh, wait, let me, let me just pause for a second. You are... At your business at the time is vintage, but the way that it was working was a, a customer would come in and ask for a specific suit from a certain era? Um, that happened. Um, uh, normally, it was more meant like normal vintage shops would work like. So you come by okay. and you have a look what what I have. And then I say like, this would fit you very well. It was also, what was also somehow special about it is that I offered an alteration service on site. So I altered ah. the suit in the manner um okay as and i also said it's not alteration it's like restoring so we're keeping and this is like comes back from my past that i didn't want the suits to look odd but i wanted them to look natural and like within the house style so yeah. um and this is yeah this is how it started and then yeah people came and said like do you have huntsman or like uh do you have tommy nutter and i said like i do have a couple but yeah but i want a different color it's uh, it was very difficult and then as i said and i was at one point completely sold out and <laughs> then i had a i had to talk uh with my brother and i said like yeah well what are we doing now and then um Uh, yeah, I have a guy coming. Um, I met him in a club and like I said, okay, yeah, sure. Like he's a cl clothing engineer. Maybe you should talk. And then, yeah, Wimmel came by and uh, Wimmel uh, and I directly after five minutes, we were talking only about suits and how much we love them and anything. And then I told him about my problem and he said like, well, I'd be happy to help. And I said like, yeah, can we do suits like they used to do it on the road, like in the look and the feel of that time? today and uh, then we had to look for productions and then we found a very good production and then like it was uh yeah we started our to design our own blocks and yeah this is where we stand now this is how it started that's that's really crazy in the sense that i mean in some cases you you know you're going from you know the the small thing where you're just a few vintage things and you're you're altering the garments form and now you are basically creating these things from scratch but what you were doing which is was is very very specific in terms of the style and i think that's that's one of the things that i love the most about um your brand as a whole because yeah it is very i don't um i don't i don't know maybe the, maybe mod is not the the best word to use but yeah it's very hyper specific in terms of that that era that sort of 70s very strong shoulders strong lapels you know but there, there's this like kind of little classic 1930s-esque uh with I, you know i was like looking at some of your the button downs and the the shirts that you've done mm -hmm. it's like gary cooper in terms of the length of the uh the collar i mean what it's like almost four inches there it's 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 very specific yeah like this is what we are very proud of and this is also what i th said at the very beginning um also this comes from my background because i love so much the things with the house style and i said i want a house style as well and um i figured that this is the best house style for my physique and this is also what i always say like when you look at all the tailoring houses look at the head cutter and what is he mm -hmm. wearing and like uh, if the head cutter is kind of slim and like a long a tall and so on he would pr he's probably the best guy to cut for this specific physique and um so and um so i said like okay let's do strong shoulder padding because i have very uh, slim shoulders let's do mm -hmm. a long uh, long jacket which covers the fork because i have these very long arms you know and then i have <laughs> these long feet and then i said like i want small feet so let's do wide trousers we obviously also do other things like, so when customers ask like, you know what max i like your jackets but like your trousers are a little too wide for me can you do them a little bit slim and i said like of course we can um but this is like how we communicate so like we communicate with the strong house and as you said it's like a mixture between the 70s and also in terms of colors but i said like with the conservativeness of the 20s and 30s so yeah. uh, this is the combination we want to get i love colored shirts i really really this is what i wear every day and uh, 
broad and uh, brightly colored ties. But like the suit itself, I'd say like it's very conservative. Also in choice of cloth, we have like very heavy materials that I at least like recommend to customers all the time, like 300 grams upwards. Like this is at least what we need because we want this heavy drapey look, you know, like that the fabrics fall well and like only English normally, like only a few Italian mills we are using. And yeah, this is the look. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll jump on that in the sense in the, because so many, uh, so many tailors, it, it's interesting when you think nowadays, certain tailors uh, will just kind of accommodate anyone in the mm-hmm. sense that, uh, yeah, our house style actually fits everyone. But I mean, it, it sounds like what you're doing, you know, you still keep the the characteristics of your style, especially in terms of cloth. Like, uh, I am very, very against super super light cloth like there's just no shape to it and i think a lot of times people are like oh i want like super 220s and and Mm. 180 gram which is just super light and and it's just not flattering and i'm like get something that's like way less than that 400 gram heavy heavy stuff because of the shape i mean it's it's such a such a more flattering silhouette that you create Absolutely. Like, and I said, like, if customers want something like very specific and very luxurious, like, let's say, like, I don't know, Super 150 with a little bit of uh, silk in there, I said, like, yeah, how many suits do you have already in your wardrobe? Yeah. If the answer is 50, I said, like, okay, we can think about that. Why not? You know, like, uh, right. And then, <laughs> but then we do three trousers extra, right? So uh, this is the thing that uh, I, I get also that this these luxurious fabrics, I mean, they are amazing, but it is nothing for the first 10 suits at least you need to like rotate them and like with this suit i said like really three trousers minimum because if you sit on the bench and stand up you basically lost half of your trousers you know because like (laughs) (laughs) they are so fine and delicate um so yeah um and i think like with the heavy and like very stiff english fabrics like they are just amazing for creating shape like you said when when you have uh, your clients and customers coming in are, are a lot of them first time. Um, yes, so be, um, so we are very proud that we have very young clients. So we have, uh, I think, sixty percent of our clients are between twenty five and thirty five, um, wow. which is amazing. And I still don't know why this is the case. I think it's a little bit of a chicken and egg thing because, like, we are so focusing on uh, Instagram and uh, these uh, new me- uh, social, like social media in general. And with blogging, we're doing like at the moment, at least in times of Corona, we're doing two articles per week. So we are like really, um, yeah, communicating in a way that like young people's probably feel attracted to. Um, yeah. But um, I also, and these are like also customers then obviously that have this first very good suit made. But I appreciate that a lot because it shows that this young generation like is so interested. And uh, when they come in, they actually they know already everything. You know, they uh, they read on the on other blogs, they listen to the podcast, they really know what they want and what is the best choice for them. So normally they say like, "I come here for your double breasted, and I want this specific cloth." And mm. uh, there's really not much like uh, consulting there. Funnily, the the older gentlemen that come to me, they want they need a lot more consulting. The younger clients, they know so much. Yeah, that's that is really interesting. I mean, because I would say t- how your your brand has evolved and formed, it is very much, and I mean this in a complimentary way, almost a case study of how brands need to function these days. Because um, I think I had first discovered your brand not from any of the the garments or anything that you're mar- uh, that you were creating. I think it was from your playlist. Like y- you, you make. You, you really build this entire world around what you create from the music to, um, you know, suggesting movies. And, I mean, e- everything about it, it's fully formed. And I think when you do that, especially as, you know, uh, I'm not that young, but a younger person, like it makes it a lot more easy and uh, interesting to see how this applies. Because, um, I mean, th- that's that's very, very Ralph Lauren. Like when you think about like how to how to build a brand, like you create this entire world and so people just want to be in it versus you, you know, we, we have this one hyper style and, you, and we make this suit and that's it. And you're only going to yeah. see it here. You, you don't see any other ways and how it connects outside of your life. 
Exactly. It's like it's it's more than a suit or like more than a shirt. It's a lifestyle. It's like we we do um, the playlist, like you said. We do the movie recommendations. We do the blogging. Like we do um, um, we do write prose. I mean, like we do write the Mister Lush stories, and um, this is all adding adding to it. You know, like it, it and it make, makes the suit also more accessible. And I mean, like um, we have the problem still. I think that the suit is a garment that most people think it's outdated but like if you show them and the lifestyle that is connected to like also wearing a suit like it's like not necessarily outdated or like there's no dust on the shoulders you know like it is a very very modern garment which will in my opinion never go out of style or is mm. it's just absolutely uh, timeless and uh, but then you need to show them that you can wear it every day you can wear it when listening to music you can wear it when going to a party it's natural it must be part of yourself yeah what about fencing because i think that's something that I, when i i started like following you I mean, you are very much into fencing where, where did that come in um yes i was actually a professional fencer for quite some time uh wait 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 what yeah i was uh yes i was on the national team actually and for the german national team and saber yeah started when i was five and uh yeah then i went on till i was 23 um i was fencing in paris uh, in the club in paris i was uh, fencing in um at the ohio state university in uh, yeah in columbus i was there on the varsity team and uh, we became ncaa champion that year i remember that very well and yeah it was a big part of my life i always say that it was my first career because i wanted to become world champion so badly at that point but like i never made it and um but yeah it's uh, a part of my life nowadays i only do it as a hobby uh but yeah and uh, it's keeping me sane wait hold on i gotta go down this road for a second where did fencing come into your life i mean you, you said you were doing it at age five but I mean, that's not really something that every five-year-old kid starts doing. Yes. Uh, so the reason behind that was um, I have very bad uh, ears because as a very um, young child, I had a lot of middle ear infections. Uh, so, and I, okay. couldn't, I couldn't ride a bike, anything like I, uh, and my mother, she went to the doctor every time with me and she's, and the, the medicine didn't help all the antibiotics I was getting. So she switched the doctor. And the doctors, the new doctor said, well, you know, your child has like very bad ears you need and has no sense of balance. He either needs to do a very, very complicated sport in terms of like co um, coordination or needs to do physiotherapy. And she asked me, what do you want to do at that point? And then she, I said, I must have said, I want to become a musketeer. <laughs> and I want to be D'Antagnon. And then in Copelands, uh, where I'm actually from originally, there was a very, very good fencing club. And um, then we went to, yeah, then I did fencing. It was like, I don't know, I really must have moved terribly at that point. And like uh, my fencing coach at that time, he was Hungarian. He was like, oh my God, this is going to be a lot of work. But uh, yeah, somehow, like after a couple of years, it got better and better. And then, uh, yeah. I was then on the yeah, national team, and then yeah, then the first time I was wearing the tracksuit with the um, with the yeah the German of the German national team. I was I think one of the proudest uh, children ever. Wait, and how how old were you when you when you joined the German national team? Uh that must have been yeah, teenage boy, so fifteen, something like that. If I'm not completely mistaken. D does fencing affect and did it any of that like world and lifestyle affect how you you started to get into the the very classic menswear because fencing is very much uh this sort of gentleman sport but also has a an era of of uh you know you think of the old classic movies and zorro and and, and all of that sort of stuff did, did that have anything to do with it I think not really. Like I think like fencing is a very normal sport, like football, at least for me. And I don't, I never found it um, classy in a way. It's about winning and losing, yes. But like, and there are certain codes that we always shake hands before, and uh, there's always mm. fair play. And um, this is uh, true. But like, I think um, not many fencers that I know were particularly interested in menswear. There were some, like there's always, but like, it, I think these two don't really connect looking at it now maybe it does a little um but um 
not not no 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 i would not say that it, it that was the specific thing what was the specific thing with me rather was like that i ha was because of my physique couldn't find any clothes so i needed to become interested in it because otherwise i yeah i had no option because like all the clothes were like either way too wide and this uh or the sleeves were way too short uh, or the legs so i needed to find something that would fit me yeah so i mean something that you you've really uh sort of attached yourself to, to the british style but uh you've never worked in, in in any of the british places in savile row i mean how you said you learned so much through through visual stuff but i mean it it looks like you've nailed it from every image i've seen and i mean seen you in person a couple times at like the mr porter event how many how did you know when you got it right I think when the first prototype came in, that was then the start where I said, okay, this is not too bad. But then every new suit, I'm trying something new. I'm trying something new. And so I think like our house style is still not there where it should be. So it, it will become better and better. We will, we are working on the details. Like, uh, very recently we had uh, developed a new, uh, shoulder roping, like, and with an even more pronounced sleeve head because mm -hmm. I, I wanted that you know like and before that the suits weren't bad either you know like it was just like we wanted better and better and better we're working on every detail every day and uh, i'm not and i said like i never am satisfied with the suit it should be always can always be a little better and um at the moment we're working on the vents how long they should be you know like we're doing very long very long vents already but like how long can they actually be and i'm always the first to try <laughs> things out and then we present them and also see like on social media like how people like it and um this is also a thing with us we are like communicating through social media we're not presenting only you know we're like uh, checking like how does the our how do our followers like what we do you know and uh, we get all the data from there and like also feedback and comments and like direct messages and like oh yeah god i love this fabric i love this style oh you did something uh, new on your double breasted what did you do you know like people are very interested in like this is um so interesting when you communicate with people like that you get so much feedback and with that we we take this feedback and then work it into our suits right and you've started to do trunk shows recently. Well, I, not that recently, but I mean, you've been doing them for a while, but London is, is a newer place, no? Exactly. Like we're doing like London since now, I think like one and a half years. Uh, we're yeah. going to Savile Row, which is like a, yeah, big, big honor. And like um, Holland and Sherry is our host there. And uh, we, um, yes, and this is also funny. Like at least I find that, I mean, there are enough tailors in London, uh, but like we still have clients there, you know, and like uh, they, they uh, want a an English looking suit from a German boy, you know, like this is, I just, I find very funny. Um, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, London is just a great city. People have such good taste, at least when they come like in London and the customers that I got to know, they just, um, yeah, they say like, I want this cloth and like, I should look like that and this. And this is also then something that we work into our house style. Want even more Blamo? Head over to patreon.com forward slash Blamo to join the Blam fam and get access to additional interviews, a community Slack, special events, and more. We've also been doing our weekly happy hours on Zoom every Friday night, and we're launching new shows and miniseries only available on Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash Blamo and we'll see you there. Right. As, as your house style, you know, has evolved a bit. I mean, I notice you, you, uh, whenever you're showing things online, a lot of it has to do with, um, you know, that you have Cary Grant, you have Fred Astaire. When, when did you start to get interested in, in, in those, uh, those, those people? Um, yeah, movies in general were, was always a big penchant of mine. So I, I love movies and um, also my brother does and like Tobin does. So as we are living together, we're watching a lot of movies together and we are always looking at the costumes and like we just uh, think, oh my God, look at that. Oh, look at how like they did the shoulder roping there. And uh, so it's very weird because like um, I think like sometimes I'm missing the plot because I'm just looking at the <laughs> costumes. Um, but yeah, it's like just such an element elegant era um i 
uh, yeah, and then like how the, that the actors actually at that point still brought in their own wardrobe, you know, like they, I think like to get a certain role, you had to have a very big wardrobe or good tailor in your back, and which yeah. is nowadays completely different. And this is fine. This is what I find mostly, at least as a tailor, very, very interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I know a lot of people have always loved Cary Grant and, um, that I think someone like in our, our Slack group not too long ago was talking about uh, how they had recently watched To Catch a Thief. Are, yeah. are you familiar with that film? Yes. Yeah. And I, I didn't know this, but yeah, Cary Grant basically supplied his own wardrobe for that entire film. Like it was just his clothes. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that's amazing. I, I mean, I always, you know, because I've, I've someone whom I got more into clothing from me being more into people like Cary Grant and Fred Astaire. I mean, it, because it's it's so interesting, especially with someone like him. I mean, how much he uh, had altered all of his clothing just to, to fit him and frame his face better. Like you know, these extremely wide shoulders because his head was so big. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's stuff that I tried to emulate on myself, uh, which actually didn't come out very well. But uh, that's that's a whole it's a whole other story. But yeah, I mean. Cary Grant in general, I mean, is, is there any sort of films or anything that you've like often gone back to that, that continues to inspire what you've done? Yes, I think like, um, so what I like, I think like thinking of it now or spontaneously, I would say always American Psycho. Uh, American Whoa, Psycho. Whoa, American Psycho. Okay, yeah. that's that's not that old of a film. Yes, it's just, uh, I think the costume was brilliant. I think I like really, this is one of the movies where I have to say this is spot on. It, um, because I also see clothes as an as a amplifier, like a non-verbal amplifier of the character. And I think here it's done brilliantly, like also in the time setting of the 80s, you know, like it was the 80s cuts. But when mm-hmm. you look at, um, yeah, at, um, now I'm missing the name. Um, Christian uh, Bale. Christian Bale, exactly. Yeah. Christian Bale coming in and like, you know exactly what kind of character he's playing, just looking at his clothes. It's, yeah. uh, it's, and this is what I love so much about the movie. It's not especially the style, but uh, because like, I think the 80s were in, yeah a little too extreme for my taste uh <laughs> a little too hyper masculine uh but it's um this is really a movie that i think like costume wise one of the best and and i think i've watched it over 10 or 12 times i love it so much <laughs> yeah yeah have, have you seen wall street i did yes i lost a couple yeah. of times yeah that that's always really interesting that that i go back to a lot is just seeing i mean you know which of course that that was all alan fluster there but you know, the, the Eaton stripe suspenders for Michael Douglas. I mean, yeah, I mean, cause a lot of your stuff you've, you've, I, I think almost every time I've seen you, you've worn braces or suspenders. Do you always do that? Yes. It's a felt braces. Normally I love them so much in all the various colors that there are. Um, it's just like, I find it way more comfortable to wear braces because like you stand up a little bit more straight and, um, yeah, you don't have to worry about your trousers and, uh, just, I just love it. And I think the colorful ones, especially when the, you, the time is there and the, you, you pull off your jacket, it's always a little, whoa, nice braces, you know? Like, <laughs> uh, I, uh, big fan. Yeah, big fan, definitely. I mean, I could also wear theoretically uh, the trousers without them because like, I have the side adjusters and so on. But like, it's, yeah. uh, it's a nice detail. Yeah. What about footwear? Because that's something that, I mean, you know, I... I don't know. It looks like you, you were working with someone to make footwear. Or like, do you ever see your brand expanding more into doing more ready-to-wear and private label? Um, footwear is a very interesting topic for me because that is something that I was a... Yeah, before I met Leonard Kalke from Frankfurt, my um, now now best friends, really. Uh, mm-hmm. the, I really had a hard time to... Like, I had a really hard time to find shoes, actually. Like, because they were... So, I had... I have such a slim last and like so slim feet that nothing would really fit me. Like, don't get me started on loafers. That was really something that I always wanted, but could never get. And Mm. then I went to Lenny and said, like, what am I doing wrong? (laughs) You know, and he said, like, well, you need a bespoke last. There's really no way that you find a shoe that would actually fit you. Um, So then I said, okay then let's do this. And I said, okay. And this was a lot of money for me at the time. Although I must say like, he's actually a very, very fairly priced. So I paid mm-hmm. him like 500 euros for the last at that time. And then the shoe was another thousand. 
euros, uh, which is very that is very affordable. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that was the day like really changed my life uh, because like uh, from this day on, <laughs> I'm not only wearing bespoke, like the bespoke shoes that he does for me and they are so comfortable. And then I could really start to think like what actually what kind of shoe shape I like. I'm a big fan of the George Cleverly uh, last, you know, like very mm-hmm. little toe. And I quite like a high heel. Um, and I, as I have so long feet, I always want to make them short, you know, like and this again, the white trousers and so on. And I want a short shoe. Um, yeah. I say what you discuss with your shoemaker, you know, and like he says, like uh, certain things are possible for you, others are not, and this is a uh, very, very interesting. And yeah, I would say that this is, although to come back to your question, I think it's like something that we will not go further into detail. I would love to do like a further co- collaboration with Leonard, but like mm-hmm. would not do something on my own. I just don't think that a tailoring house should do that. We can always recommend, and Leonard is coming here every eight weeks. That like, hey, there's a guy coming, and like you can see him for shoes, uh, right? But, um, and we could think this is what at least what we're thinking about at the moment to do like have our own last in the for the house style, you know. Which, but in the very end, it will be just a chiseled chiseled toe, and like how I like the shoe best. That will probably be part of the house style. But anything else, I would say not. Same goes for leather, you know, like leather jackets, stuff like that. It is just like something that we not don't work with, and uh, we rather recommend on other craftsmen that do their job really well and that are probably friends with me or something. But uh, I think we stick with shirts, uh, suits, obviously the pajamas and morning gowns and stuff like that. But we're really like try to focus on that. Yeah, that and that's a really rare thing. I think a lot of brands these days, they their customer asks for something else. And basically the first thing they do is try to think of how to sell that to that customer versus, you know, what it sounds like you're saying is like, no, I want to focus on what I can do really, really well and everything else. I'm just going to tell someone to go, to go get it somewhere else. And I think there's a lot of integrity in that. And, and I hope that, that a lot of your clients respect you more for it. I think this is like the most important thing about like when dealing with clients, honesty, like you have to be honest, just like about what you can do, what you cannot do. And um, I think it's just so much easier to live in an honest way than just like, uh, yeah, trying to lie about certain things. And I think especially when I would do that with shoes, like it would be yeah, become very obvious that um, I'm yeah trying to make myself bigger than I am. So, yeah, but um I mean, it goes it, it goes in the all in all directions. I mean, like obviously, Leonard is also recommending. Like, uh, yeah. it's he says like when people ask him, "Hey, where do you get your suits from?" I mean, he says like, "Well, I get them from Max," you know. So it's like right. uh, <laughs> it's going both ways. And I, when I'm going to uh, Frankfurt on my trunk shows, um, doing it every eight weeks, like I'm going to Leonard's atelier and uh, see my clients there. And obviously, there is a lot of like crossover of customers, like customers that buy good shoes. They're also interested in good clothes, and the other way around. So to go back to the trunk shows, I mean, how many people are on your team when you do that? Is it just you and a suitcase or what? It's uh, me and a suitcase. And uh, we now, the last trunk show, we now did it with Tobin because it was just too much work. So uh, Frankfurt is always uh, fully booked. And uh, I'm really, really busy days. I like for fitting, I say like 45 minutes now and 50 minutes uh, after preparation. And then the next client comes in, a new client gets one and a half hours. And uh, then it starts at nine. And like, it's like next function will be at nine o'clock in the evening. You know, like it's really, really tough. And then if I didn't have Tobin to help me with that, it would be just not, not doable anymore. Um, and so we're doing Düsseldorf and Frankfurt together. And then London before that. So we fly in from just London to Düsseldorf and then we go from Düsseldorf to Frankfurt. And Frankfurt is normally two days. Um, it is, uh, really, really tough, Jeez. but it used to be just, uh, just me on my own. But at a certain point when you realize, okay, this is too much work and there could be like, I could do mistakes because I'm doing too much, you know? Then yeah. You realize, okay, I need help. Well, it's so it, I'm glad you, you mentioned that because I think that's the thing that a lot of brands of your size start to hit because you're in this sweet spot now where because of the internet and everything, you're, you're big and you're everywhere, but also you're, you're small, you have a small team, you're able to respond to things quicker. But how do, do you, you know, and I'm not trying to get all entrepreneurial here, but how do you scale this or, or do you not? 
we said um, we grow naturally, like we grow just like, um, and things will come on its own. So our next mm. big step is now entering the US. So, and uh, we will open a franchise, so to say. So Noah, a good friend of mine, he started as a, as a client, but he was actually already a trained cutter. Um, he was yeah, a client of ours because he liked our cut so, uh, so well. And um, then he said, uh, uh, he went back to Washington. He was actually studying in Edinburgh at that time. And he said, you know what? It, like so many people are wearing suits in Washington, but there's no really like very few uh, tailors here, you know? And like, I think like, yeah. Americans, they love the uh, European house style, you know, of, of yours. So could you like, would it be possible that we do something together? And I said, just certainly Noah. And this is how we do it now. So Noah will open a branch there. Um, and I trust him fully and like, because he knows what we cut and everything. And this is how we try to scale in this very sense. But like, I think, uh, do it slowly. We still want to keep our quality level. Uh, I don't, and we have compared to other cities, we have very cheap, um, costs in Berlin. So the, the, the rents are very low. Uh, and so we don't have the pressure to grow very fast and quickly. Right. Yeah. And w what it sounds like you're, you were describing, it sounds kind of like a franchise, no? Yeah, it is. But I mean, I'm only franchising with guys that I really like. So it's like nothing like if I don't, I don't have a plan like that. I just don't say like, okay, in two years oh, we yeah. will be in Tokyo, and then the, then three years after that we will be in London. And uh, yeah, I'm not looking for franchisees or something like that. If somebody asks me something like that, and I fully trust them, and Noah was also already on the board, he was also already one of our guest authors and um, contributing content regularly. So and yeah, we've been for instance like two years. You know, like this is actually done a cool thing. Like yeah, why not? Let's make it work. Yeah. I mean, to go way back to the fact that, you know, when you were, when you first were interested in suits, you went to Savile Row and you basically just went there and asked for a job. Um, and you, you unfortunately didn't get it. Has that changed how you approach people that want to come work for you? Absolutely. This is what I, I said, like, uh, or my fencing coach always said, like, uh, intelligent people, they don't do uh, their own mistakes twice very intelligent people don't do the mistakes of others. And uh, I said, like, this is a um, thing that I thought, like, was probably stupid. Uh, so it's not the way you should treat people that actually want to work for you. Um, mm. So, and the fun thing is, like, none of the guys that actually now work with me have actually applied, you know, like in the very first sense. <laughs> they uh, came right. in as customers. Daniel came in as a customer. Uh, Tobin came in as a customer. Uh, Noah came in as a customer. Uh, Flo came in as a customer. Like Eve came in as a customer. They all wow. came as customers. And through the way we are, yeah, communicating with all of the people that like our customers, they all say like, Oh, can I help here? You know? And like, I, I really, really love this, you know, like uh, the people are like all customers are all like very much into our business. They want to help. And, um, also like the lawyer that I'm doing, um, doing business with, like he's like, obviously also a customer, you know, and it came in. Like, <laughs> so it's, uh, we're not doing HR in this sense, you know, and then this is what makes me always so happy when people actually apply and say like, Hey, I want to work for you. Uh, yeah. this is, um, this is all great, you know, and I'm considering every application and, uh, say like at the moment we get a lot actually like, and, um, this is, uh, making it a little difficult because our shop is not big <laughs> enough, but like, I'm saying like, yes, uh, when the other is gone, you can work for us. Let's have a coffee and we talk about the possibilities that you can do for the business and uh, what I can teach you and how we can profit from you. And this is also a thing with the employees I want, um, or like with my first intern, I made this experience that because she wanted to learn how to cut suits. And I said like, well, we got four weeks. I don't think this will be, I, I can show you what I can do, but like, it's not, not, <laughs> right. not, not enough. Um, but you have these amazing drawings, you know, how can we work with this? You, would you like to illustrate the suits? And this is how it started, you know, like, and then we said, then we got the, all the suits on our website. It's a, a concept called emergence. I believe, I think 
I don't know if that translates well. It's in, in German, it's emergenzt. It's something you okay. just go with the flow. You know, like you you'd see opportunities which make sense in that very moment and then you grab them and say, okay, this makes sense. Let's add that. It's a bit of like, yeah, just being a little bit opportunistic about things. You know, you you have your values. You, you know what you like and you know how the uh, product should be. But I don't have an actual plan, I must say. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm like really like, I'm not planning at all. I'm just like seeing Okay, right it makes sense let's do it yeah i mean it's it's funny because to jump back you know that is uh an extremely intelligent entrepreneurial mindset that a, a lot of bigger companies are trying to find ways to adapt now in the sense that you 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 know you seize the opportunities as they come versus you know having a board and having your five-year plan and how you're going to maximize profits and this and this you know it, you're just like okay the right person came in and the skill set that they were offering was a way that we could utilize. I mean, that's, it's interesting. I don't, you know, I mean, th this is, this is stuff that people are going to school to, to learn how to think. And it, it sounds like it's coming pretty naturally to you. Yeah. I mean, like, for instance, now we will, um, the shop will become twice as big because the shop next door is like, uh, yeah, the, 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 it's now free. And I said like, yeah, then we take the shop next door, you know, and then, yeah. Wait, okay, this what is free? Oh, oh, it's, it's, it's open. Okay. I understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, so then we take the shop next door also. It's just, and then, okay, <laughs> what do we have to do for that? Okay. We have to like, uh, yeah, we have to get two new employees. Maybe. Okay. Oh no, I can work with Tobin and Paul at the moment. And so, okay, this will work out. So I'm checking like if it works and if it does, then we do it. It's, um, all these things, you know, it's like, uh, just being natural about it and use your brain you know and it just and if it <laughs> makes sense it makes sense and you do it and it, it can also turn out a complete failure and then what you know like then we just like say okay that was a nice try let's do it again at another point well i mean you said failures i mean have you have you had any failures in your business we had like a couple of um, producers that didn't deliver in time and so on which make us lose a couple of customers yes there was um mm. uh, but this is also part of it you know like it's um if you communicate this to a client uh a same way that you do with your production you know we then they understand you know like uh, we with this specific case it was just like a one-timer and then we said okay this is probably not for us uh, it sounded right. like a great opportunity you know so we did it and the product is amazing but if it doesn't come in time i'm very sorry you know uh, yeah. that, that i don't offer uh, to clients and this is in what is um part of like being the entrepreneur that i now find out it's just like failure is part of it you just like have to don't see it as like a bad thing you know like you're trying things out and if you think that the opportunity is good let's do it yeah you you got to meet edward sexton a while back and i i know he's he's a bit of a, a hero to you what, what was that like mm. Oh, that was, um, yeah, uh, Edward is just an amazing guy. I mean, like what he did with Tommy Nutter. I mean, I, I had studied the whole history of this house and I also listened to the, uh, the podcast of you. Uh, oh. and, and it was, uh, no, it's uh, just an amazing uh, guy. His house style is incredible. It's like something that we really look up onto. Like, and when we look at suits and that inspired us, it's just definitely Edward and also all his pupils that were like not only pupils but people that worked with him i mean i, I think of david yeah. Bob, i think of like uh, joe joe morgan of chittleborough morgan i think of indirectly then again michael brown because like he was working for chittleborough morgan it's all this like vibe that edward built up with tommy that is yeah. really inspirational to us like and um we we i think it's no secret that our suits also look a little bit like his because this is how much we love his style ours yeah. are obviously much more softer and like a lot of details are different but uh edward sexton is an amazing tailoring house and it's like yeah great that something like that happened in the past you know and it's still existing and like when i saw him in this workshop he's still so vivid and like uh he loves his job and like he's li really living tailoring yeah it's it's crazy because he you know most people his age will will stop working they'll retire though and he just he's still there he's still making he's still cutting it's it's mind-blowing to me that at you know his age and and with everything he's done he hasn't he hasn't walked away i mean it just goes to show you how much if you're if you're really doing what you love it's it's 
not so much work. Exactly. Yeah, I think this is, and uh, you're also learning every day. This is also something that I think he said in your podcast, and this I found so uh, inspiring. Again, that he said, "Yeah, you know what? You're learning every day. I'm still learning. You know." And this is uh, <laughs> it's crazy. It's great. You know, it's just a great way to address life. Yeah. So the Mr. Porter thing happened a while back, and how how did all that happen? And has that changed your your business in, in terms of making ready to wear stuff for people? Um, this was actually a very funny thing how that happened. So um, I believe I still don't know, but like um, I believe <laughs> that uh, Scott Schumann, uh, the tutorialist, that was also on your podcast. Again, great fan. Yeah. Since I'm 17, I've got all his books, and like I, yeah, I love it. You know, I was following his blog. He was spotted. He spotted me on Pity, and he made a photo of me. And one day. My phone made bing and uh, I said like, Max, did you see that? I said, what did I say? Like, yeah, Scott Schumann made a photo of you. What? Really? Yeah, he uploaded it just now. Have a look. And um, then, yeah, it was was me then there. And then uh, a couple of days later, I believe, um, I got a message on Instagram from uh, the uh, executive buyer of Mr. Porter. You know, not, not a couple of days. I think it was rather a month or so later. So um, he asked, do you want to be on Mr. Porter? Like we're doing a tailoring uh, thing or we're building on tailoring at the moment. Uh, would you like yeah. to be part of it? And I said, yes, that would be amazing. Yes. And like, this is how it happened, you know, like out of nowhere, really, that uh, they somehow saw, they somehow liked what they have seen on my Instagram account or and on the website. And probably they did a little check with all the press. Hey, hey, where, where does this guy come from? How long is he actually existing? But yeah. um, this is how it happened. So I told that at last pity to Scott that I think he has a very big, a very big part of like me being on Mr. Port or our brand and that I'm really, really thankful for that. And he said, yeah, well, this is, uh, uh, was not intended by me. I just liked the picture, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was great. That's, that's crazy. It's, it's interesting. Scott is, I mean, he's a very humble guy, very, you know, a uh, bit, bit of a, bit of a character and kind of a goofball in, in the best possible way, because I think a lot of people, when you meet him, you know, it, like you have this mindset because of the internet of like, oh, I bet he's going to behave this way or people are going to think this way. And it's, you know, it's interesting because I think he took a photo a while back of Jake Grantham um, when he was at the Armory, but, you know, now he's at Angle Italian. And that photo really just like blew up. I mean, and it not only because he has a great eye, but he he's very, very good at just finding people um who, who, in my opinion, I think are really going to like change the entire industry. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that he took your photo, but I mean, cause you, your, your style is, um, I'll say this, uh, it, it's to me, it was very intimidating. You know, I was like, oh my gosh, like he's so put together. He's got the pinky ring and he's got this, this outfit. But after speaking with you and, and learning more about you, I mean, it's, it's very inviting and, and, and appealing. And so, I mean, I, I'm, I'm I'm super encouraged and refreshed by this entire conversation. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh yeah, it's just like how I am, I think. And I'm trying to underline that a little bit with the clothes I wear. It's uh, uh but I heard, hear that quite a lot. I think it's mostly because of the double breasted uh, that uh, people are a little intimidated uh, also with the broad lapels and so on, but um I somehow like to play with this a little. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, talk to me about cocktail hour because that's something I I've started to see you do more and more where like, are, so are you, you putting on a, a tux at certain times of the day? Like how yeah, does this, this happen? Is, this is something that we now do do in Corona. I mean, I love uh, a dinner jacket, but like, uh, yeah, Tobin, I and my brother, we are normally wearing the, the dinner jackets when uh, at, in the evening, because it's like, as we said, we do the best out of this time and living in quarantine. So yeah. we say like, okay, it's uh, six o'clock. Let's do put on our dinner jackets and then uh, yeah, we we sit there and do cocktail hour and uh, watch movies and uh, yeah. Now Velvet, my favorite, one of my favorite bars. It's also where the um, supporter video was filmed at. And oh, they yeah. also had to close business and they had this uh, yeah great uh, offer that they now deliver uh, five cocktails every week. Uh, <laughs> To, uh, to the regulars and so we get uh, five cocktails each uh, every Saturday uh, this is uh, an amazing thing um, that they deliver the cocktails to us <laughs> yeah a, a lot of places around here are starting um, at least in Brooklyn I mean the 
you can they have like to go windows where you can get a cocktail to go but yeah places are are delivering all all sorts of cocktails you know uh just through their standard delivery service it's pretty interesting but i think you know your uh your continued sort of love and embrace of you know the 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 classics in a way is is really appealing and exciting especially in this current day and age but um you know as your business because i think you know like we were saying something as as put together as menswear um you know from the classic sense is yeah, it can feel it can feel intimidating, and and so I'm I'm super refreshed and encouraged by you know, how you how you're continuing to make this more appealing to others. Um, with with your with your shirts, the the ready to wear shirts and stuff that you have, are you gonna uh, or do you see yourself doing more things that are just like a little bit more casual, or will it always be you know kind of the double breasted and aesthetic? Um, this is a very good question. So we are, um, um, I think this was again, Jamie Ferguson, who said that in one of your podcasts that it's like, um, okay, people, I think now more get what my house style is or what our house style is, but let's yeah. in, interpret this in a different way. You know, how does the Maximilian mock look like when it's casual? And mm. I think it might uh, be very exciting or like very yeah, nice to say now that uh, the new collection from Mr. Porter will show the side of our business. You know, we um, the summer collection is, I think, very casual. We uh, interpreted our double-breasted suit in casual fabrics like linen and so on. And uh, we did a new single-breasted style. And uh, we did now the button-down shirts like with a, with a one-piece color. Uh, oh, yeah. nice. So something that is, um, yeah, like how does this look look when it's casual? Um, this is actually funny because like I learn a lot from that again from my customers. You know, like I, as I said, like customers are not only wearing double breasts here; uh, they yeah. are um, coming in with cool ideas. So one of the jackets is a Glencheck jacket uh made from linen from uh, Harrison, and uh, the customer chose this, and he also chose the combination. Same as like for the last collection, we had a uh, this um, black and white um, basket weave from Dashing Tweets we used for the, the for a dinner jacket, and mm. um, this was an idea by a customer um, who said like I want this with a black shirt and like black trousers and like I wanted a, a dinner jacket that only I have, you know. And then I asked him, hey, this is a very cool idea, like. Uh, can we use that for our collection? I said, yeah, sure. And this is uh, <laughs> what we like, what I really love um, that uh, most of the stuff that is really on support was tested by customers and they came up with that idea. And I'm happy to be the executive or like the uh, tailor who does to fulfill their dreams. And then <laughs> they ask him, Hey, I love what you did there with my house style. Uh, can, can I use that, you know, and for, for a new collection? Um, and this is what we are going for to come back to the question. So obviously this will um, lead to more casual uh, or I will, I also wear casual stuff. It's not like that, that I'm only, only wearing Navy or gray suits. Um, but we want to develop that slowly, slowly, slowly and uh, see what, where we get at. But I think the shirts are a very first good step. Now we play a little bit with the materials and I think we will add certain things with, with maybe with the next collection maybe with the one after um yeah what is like our house style yeah i mean i i've i've found myself i mean i, I have a, a good amount of suits and and you know a few pairs of bespoke trousers here and there but at least at home and even day to day probably because i i've always worked from home doing the show is uh is you know like a blue oxford shirt jeans or anything i mean do you ever see yourself making denim or is that like, that is something that will come that is actually what I can say already. We are working on a high-waisted pair of jeans, like also made to measure. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Um, cut from Japanese denim, um, uh, salvage, obviously. And uh, we are working on that already. Um, prototyping is very, like, takes like up a lot of our time because like we um it's such an interesting piece like um jeans in general because uh, yeah. like the five pocket style it's so clear that how a jean should look like still you want to make it distinct distinctive in another way so this is right. where like uh we're working on a lot on the design and on the cut 
how wide should the trousers be, you know, and uh, like how high should they be? What kind of footwear are we talking, you know? And like um, this is a very, very exciting project we're doing at the moment. So denim will definitely come. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I've, I've, you know, always gone back to like the classic 501s from Levi's or there's a, a few uh, other brands that I like that they'll do like a, a an ultra high-waisted denim with like kind of a full leg. And uh, I mean, it's something that for me, and, and I, I hope you see this too, is because uh, for a lot of customers, I mean, that's how they, that's how they'll get into your brand is through something that's like a little bit more casual. And then, they, you know, they explore more and more further. Yeah, it's a, uh, I mean, the, the quintessential part of our business is that at least it is how at the moment is we are only doing single pieces. This is, um, this is, has two main reasons. A, this is probably, at least in my opinion, uh, the best way a fashion business can work these days. We're not cr- creating any waste, you know, and right, B, right the we don't have the space to like buy big ready to wears like i'm really i'm we my shop is so small and even with the one next to it that we are now getting we don't have the space to buy ready to wear for our shop you know like even with accessories it's like a little difficult for us to store them so storage is our big problem and so we are always thinking about single pieces and that uh um so if let's say like you have the one jeans you know like uh, this will i think could hold like the next five to six years. I mean, like I know that jeans are like normally also used when cycling and so on. And this is obviously something that is very, very stressful to a garment. But uh, with our suits, we always say 15 to 20 years when you take good care of them, no problem. Uh, If I could do the same to a jeans, that would be great. And this is then just that one jeans that is out there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's very true. I mean, I think denim is, is the, the lifespan of that is is radically different than say than say a suit. Um, well, we're, we're starting to wrap up here, but uh, you know, I'm a big fan of, of what you do and what you've created, and and I think uh, I I'm very inspired by what you do, but I'm I'm more inspired by how you've you've chosen to like run and create your business. I, I think it's it's really fantastic, and and I admire you for it. Thank you very much, Jeremy. That means a lot to me. Of course, of course. Well, Max, it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Blamo. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder, editing by Brendan Finn, and we're produced by Blamo Media. Follow along with us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast and leave a review for us on your favorite podcast app. Want even more Blamo? Head over to patreon.com forward slash Blamo, join the Blam fam, and get access to additional interviews, our community Slack, special events, and more. Best of all, you're supporting the show. Try it. Feels good. Thanks again, everyone. We'll see you next week.